how do you engage in a conversation? You use discernment to decide which conversations are worth engaging in. So everybody is not a worthy component. Sometimes our passion can become a handicap because you know the benefits of living the lifestyle. You know it's where you know all this stuff. And so you want people to understand. So you, you got to graduate for the need to be agreed with or the need for people to get it right away. Our biggest responsibility is planting the seed. Like they might argue with you, but the, the fourth person in line who's going to tell them this, they're going to be listening by the end. Also understand you're part of a continuum and that maybe your role in their life at that point in time is to plant the seed. But by the time they doctored and mentioned it to them, they don't watch a documentary on Netflix. Now they best friend trying it out. They're all of a sudden going to be more willing to hear somebody out. It just wasn't you when you entered their life. So it's just about having compassion with people with where they are in their journey and not expecting everybody to get it because you don't enter their life on this lucky day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. Just because someone can live with a disease doesn't mean they should. The overwhelming majority of prescriptions written today are written to treat lifestyle disease. Lifestyle disease is defined as conditions which can be attributed to the way in which a person lives. This includes things like physical activity, drinking, smoking, stress, the quality of our social connections, sleep, purposeful and professional alignment, and of course, our diet. But what if there was an alternative? What if before putting pen to pad, we had a comprehensive solution in lieu of pills and procedures? You are listening to the Plant Protocol Podcast for current and aspiring health professionals who are done with simply managing chronic lifestyle challenges and are interested in taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating them. I'm your host, Lisa A. Smith. It's time to come get this health. Hey, so the episode you're about to hear was never intended to be an episode. It is a conversation between myself and a young lady named Asha who just graduated with her degree from University of Michigan in public health, and she's on track to becoming a dietitian. And I met Asha a while back when I was speaking at an event, and she recently reached out to me just to kind of catch up and wanting to keep in touch. And during our conversation, Asha asked me some really great questions, and they were so good that I asked her if she wouldn't mind me sharing our conversation here on the podcast. So today's episode is a little different because I'm being interviewed by Asha. So she's just kind of asking me questions about, you know, her new plant-based journey and moreover her new career moving into nutrition, dietetics, and public health. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Asha. I think there was some great, like very beginner-like questions that I really enjoyed answering, you know, conversations and subjects that I don't get to have often with individuals who are just kind of starting their career in the nutrition and health space. So I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm good, Asha. How are you? Excellent. I love your setup. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm sitting out in this is my pet. Well, my parents patio. So just excited to chat with you and kind of catch up a little bit for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's been up? What you got for me today? Today, I definitely want to provide you with the update on kind of what I'm doing. It's been, I was thinking like, wow, it's been almost a year since 
we like work together with Black Legacy Advancement Coalition. So that was, you know, an amazing experience and definitely want to follow up with you just about what I'm doing. In April of this year, I graduated from the University of Michigan. I earned a Master of Public Health and Nutritional Sciences with a concentration in dietetics. So I'm like geek for that. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So one step closer to becoming a registered dietitian. So that's really exciting. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. So what's your plans? What you going to do with it? So now I'm working with the Detroit Black Community Food Security Network. I'm doing like gardening and nutrition education. I did that for the entire school year. So I work with children, second through fifth graders from start to finish. So that was really rewarding and like a passion project for me. Yeah. I definitely want to continue that work and continue to do policy advocacy for like nutrition programs, whether it's GUSNIP or SNAP or other programming, but also do that education for legislators because they may not know about what's happening on the ground or what certain programs can be used for, how people are actually using them. So to answer your question, I'm going to use the MPH to earn my RD credential. So I'm starting my dietetic internship in the fall um, of this year. And I could have went with the University of Michigan because they have a prestigious program, but an organization called Diversified Dietetics, they also have an internship program that they just were approved for like at the end of last year. So like, I'm going to go the diversity route this time. I've seen, you know, (laughs) what you all can give, but I want to see what they give. So that's so beautiful. I'm so excited for you. That's going to be so amazing. We need the help. (laughs) Right. We do. We do. Absolutely. And then I went to HBCU for undergrad. Um, I went to North Carolina A&T. So just to like miss that community and just nurturing environment that you are exposed to and go to a PWI for grad school. I was like, okay, that was good that I did that, but I've had enough. (laughs) So yeah. Huge difference. Huge. Which, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, how can I, is any way I can help? Are you still working with Black? Not as closely as I was. I see that they do have an event coming up in July. I think it's the weekend before the 4th. Well, the weekend after, actually. It's, they're having a block party. Mm-hmm. And they're actually doing, like, um, they partner with one of the other panelists. She has a company called Izzy LLC, and it focuses on, like, environmental justice, sustainability. So I was going to definitely kind of see what they were up to. And um, I've kept in touch with Tiffany somewhat. So nice. just trying to, like, keep in touch with everyone. I find it difficult to do that just when you're kind of caught up in like being in school or starting a dietetic internship or just trying to figure life out so yeah (laughs) definitely definitely was there any way I can help you out I definitely just kind of had a few questions for you if that was okay or if you're like comfortable with that just about like kind of why you went the more so health coaching route versus like becoming a dietitian or you know sticking with like as a nutritionist what was that decision for you if you are still trying to even work through that? Yeah, no, I've been a, a plant-based nutritionist for many years. I never once considered going to school to be a dietitian or for nutrition. I created my first health and wellness company in 2015, my second in 2017. And it all started from my own personal weight loss journey, um, lost weight, became a personal trainer, then started studying nutrition, fell in love with it, retired from being a personal trainer 
and started teaching, you know, whole food, plant-based nutrition full time. Of course, I'm a whole food, plant-based vegan. And so a lot of the science around whole food, plant-based veganism just made a lot of sense around helping people to prevent things like heart disease, diabetes, obesity, kidney failure, you know, autoimmune, dementia, depression, anxiety, all of this, and just started to study the science of food more. And so as a master nutrition science, then I mastered lifestyle science because food doesn't solve all of anybody's problems. Mm -hmm. And so I got certified in plant-based nutrition, I think back in 2018. And then I created my own plant-based nutrition certification in 2021. So I've never had a desire to take a traditional school route to learning what I needed to learn to help people heal. When I was a, a personal trainer, I think from NASM, a National Academy of Sports Medicine, I got a nutrition certification and it was exactly what I expected it to be, which is just a huge push to get people to eat animal products and dairy and follow yeah. the um, American government's guidelines on eating, which I vehemently disagree with. So there was never a desire to take a traditional route. I never want to be a dietitian, never want to go to school because I don't agree with using pharmaceutical drugs to treat a chronic disease that's reversible. I don't believe in managing something that's reversible. So the push usually from a dietary standpoint or medical standpoint with traditional schooling is to get somebody to manage their diabetes, manage their weight, manage stress, manage, you know, hypertension, where there's a plenty of science that shows those things can be reversed. And so my approach to treating them and coaching people to them is a thousand times different from what traditional medicine and nutrition teaches. And so I've been able to pave my own lane based on my own beliefs that have worked. And so I created my own plant-based coaching program that is six years old now. And then I created my own certification that is going on two years old and it's been a beautiful thing. And so now I certify other people in plant-based nutrition and help them to teach the nutrition and lifestyle science. But when you say, how did I make my decision? It was never a decision because I never considered the alternative. (laughs) It was always the way I went. I was like, let me try this on other people and see if it really works. And then when it worked, I, you know, started developing programming and got science to back it up. And that was it. Okay. I love that. Yes. Like I went plant-based probably within the last six months. I don't even know what month I started. So people always ask me and I'm like, it's been about six months. I I really know, but I absolutely love it. Um, I find it so creative. And people are like, how do you get your protein? Like the... (laughs) Low cost protein, your beans, your lentils, your legumes, your edamame, whatever I can get it. So I absolutely love it. And I love that you just kind of like your beliefs help to shape your work. So that's definitely what I'm looking to do as a dietitian. Um, I want to be weight inclusive for sure. And also really promote that plant-based eating because it's the way to go. Like It is. The way. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is so powerful. I love it so much. Yes. So when you're in conversation too with like, people that eat meat or may be resistant, like um, clients that you may have that may be resistant to, I don't know, going plant-based. Like, is there kind of like a script that you kind of, I know this is embedded within you and you, you know, live and breathe this work, but sometimes I just kind of find it interesting when you're talking to people that still consume animal products, they are just so like resistant against what you're doing. And I'm not trying to push it on you at all, plant-based eating or anything, but there's just that resistance where it's like, we are still people at the same time. So is there a script? No. How do you engage in conversations? You use discernment to decide which conversations are worth engaging in. So everybody's not a worthy component. So someone who says, 
I just love chicken and I'm never giving it up. You know, it's just like, go you, shoot. You should enjoy. But if someone comes back and tries to spew the science of eating meat and now I may have a worthy opponent on my hands who's worth going back and forth with. So I don't get a lot of pushback, but it's also, I've done the work to become a public figure, right? So I do a lot of speaking engagements. I have a ton of podcasts. I coach this way to living. I've have hundreds of students that I've worked with. I'm, you're never going to graduate from having to explain, mm. but you graduate from having to explain. You know what I mean? So what I teach my students inside of my certification is how to create content that addresses people's objections publicly. So right. I've developed mastery around addressing somebody's objections to my lifestyle publicly, right? I've also right. developed mastery around the science. But someone, like, if it's just a passive convert, like a family member, you know, just a colleague or something like that, like, I could never do that. Or we got to have meat to live. I'm like, okay, that's cool. They're like, they don't have the science, the data. It's not even worth, like, it rolls off my back. Sometimes our passion can become a handicap because you know the benefits of living the lifestyle. You know it's worth, you know all this stuff. And so you want people to understand. So you, you got to graduate for the need to be agreed with or the need for people to get it right away. Our biggest responsibility is planting the seed. Like they might argue with you, but the, the fourth person in line who's going to tell them this, they're going to be listening by the end. Also understand you're part of a continuum and that maybe your role in their life at that point in time is to plant the seed. But by the time they doctored and mentioned it to them, they don't watch a documentary on Netflix. Now they best friend trying it out. They're all of a sudden going to be more willing to hear somebody out. It just wasn't you when you entered their life. So I also don't discount people or try and make it seem like nobody wants to get healthy. Nobody understand, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, Think about what it took for you to change your mind about something. Think about how many times you had to be exposed to something before you were willing to give it a shot. So it's just about having compassion with people with where they are in their journey and not expecting everybody to get it because you don't enter day life on this lucky day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's really powerful to graduate. Like, you know, you decide what you engage in and the energy that you interact with and what you don't. You say, okay, you got it. That's it. That's yeah. it. You wish them well. And also never, never, never have an air of superiority. We are not better because we're vegan. And this is the difference between possibility and probability. I could get cancer just like you could and you eat meat and I don't. My right. probability is lower. Our possibility is the same. And so never have an air of superiority thinking that I'm better because I do or I don't do X, right? Because you're not. It, I could still get COVID. I could still get cancer. I could still get a brain tumor. Like it's still possible. Plant-based lifestyle is not a panacea, right? right? Because somebody who's eating meat, but has healthy relationships, has fulfillment in their life, has purpose in their lives, exercise regularly at a healthy weight, might have a lower probability of getting that cancer or heart disease than somebody who's vegan, who's overweight, doesn't have purpose, that is completely stressed out. Their relationships are in shambles. They have no alignment in their life. So mm -hmm. there's so many factors to health that you don't get to be have an air of superiority just because you don't eat chicken. Mm -hmm. Like you got to line me up against a whole bunch of things and not just my diet. It's only one component in my overall picture of my probability of getting a disease. Yeah, that's really powerful too. And a really just good like demonstration of how we are not that much different, you know, we just might eat different, so. That's right, 
That's right. Another question that I had just was about your businesses as well, um, that you developed a certification and you've had your health coaching business. I'm interested in, as a dietitian, like going into private practice, but I know that it can be hard to sustain, like, you know, having an online private practice or um, even a brick and mortar. So just kind of what you want to share about, you know, how you've been sustainable, because I can't remember the years that you said that you started your other businesses, but... Um, who told you that? You said it could be hard. Who told you that? Where you get that from? Who told me that it could be hard to sustain? Um, yeah. I think I saw an email from this dietitian called Jess, and she was like, I've done a private practice for 10 years, and now I'm closing because, I don't know, she wants to move on to something else. I'm kind of paraphrasing what she said, but I'm just trying to think, like, I don't want to start something and invest all this time and money into it, and then just kind of knowing myself and how I like to start projects and finish them. But, you know, there might be that downtime in between where you're just, you're not feeling it today. So I don't want it, you know, my business to get so far down a certain lane and it's like, okay, maybe you should have gone a different route or done this differently. There's always going to be that, but just not wanting to start something and it's not my best. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this is a beautiful question. So the first thing I'll tell you is don't let limiting beliefs make decisions without data, okay? So that's why I asked who told you that. Where did you get that from? Because so often we make decisions based on our limiting beliefs without any data to back it up. Now, I'm not saying whether she's right or wrong. I'm just saying, where's the data, okay? Because if you were to ask me, who've been doing this work for years, both my companies have been online coaching companies. I've never had a brick and mortar. I'm in love. Like, I think it's super sustainable, but my passion is what sustains it. And yeah. so whether or not something is sustainable and what holds it up is based on what the foundation is built on. My foundation was not built on a money grab. My foundation was built on a genuine desire to help improve the life expectancy of people of color, okay? That problem hasn't been solved, so I'm still in business. Now, I will tell you this. Those days, those times where you're like starting to question, did I make the right decision? Did I go down the right road? That is called intuition and obedience. So there may be come a point where you feel like it might be time to pivot and you might not be wrong. It doesn't mean all the work you've done before this moment was a waste. It doesn't mean that you made the wrong decision when you made it at the version of you that you were at that point in time. What it means is you're now getting an intuitive call to move differently and you following that call is just an act of obedience. Now, if you decide to pivot and change directions based on fear, based on aggravation, based on I'm not making as much money as I think I should have been making at this point and so I need to move and do something else to make more money. Now your motivations, they have no substance, right? If you want to make a move based on ego, based on money, based on something like that, then that's a cue to you that personal development work needs to be done. Let me pause here and really reevaluate my mission, my purpose, my reason for doing this work in the first place. But to say I'm kind of conflicted about whether or not I should move forth and have my own practice and have an online practice should not be based on what somebody else's journey looks like necessarily. It should also not be based on your fear of making the wrong decision. Fear doesn't make decisions around here. Does fear exist? Yes. Does it get to make decisions? No. 
And so your decision about whether or not to have your own online practice should be based on the problem you're trying to solve in the world. And it should be based on your personal passion and desire, meaning do the gifts that I have align with the business I'm trying to create? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so just don't make decisions based on somebody, a snippet of somebody else's story. And you said yourself that she said she just wanted to pursue something else, like permission to pursue something else granted. The business that you start today, Asha, is not the business that you are forced into for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. My first wellness company was an online personal training company. I told you, I graduated. I don't personal train anymore. Why? Because I was radically obedient to the call to now teach plant-based nutrition. But I have zero regrets about my personal training company. Zero. Mm -hmm. So you also get to have nine lives. You know what I mean? So you're not making final decisions for the rest of your life. Don't let traditional college, and I'm not saying you did this, but many people do, because we're told to choose a major at like 17, 18, they convince us to thinking we're choosing this lane for the rest of our lives. So we feel all this pressure. Like, I guess I want to be an accountant. And then at 27, you're like, I hate accounting, right? Like you don't have to make a choice right now that you have to be tied to forever. You get to, and you should pivot. Regularly, I just read an article recently that I'm in love with about why everybody should change career every 10 years. So just know that if you feel like that's the lane I want to go, I want to be an entrepreneur with this degree and that's how I want to leverage it. And I want to chart my own path. I want to be a plant-based dietitian with an online practice. Everything you need to learn to do it is available to you. You get a business coach, you can get somebody who's already done it, model their systems. Everything you need to learn is available to you. Everything you need to become is your job meaning confident, meaning fearless, meaning bold, meaning convicted in your beliefs. That's your job. But everything you need to learn about how to run a business and and make it work and make sure you can, you know, put food on the table, that's learnable. But everything you need to become is on you. Yeah, that's really good. Wow. What else? I would say just based on what you said, resources that you would recommend to like, I don't know, do you have an LLC or just you know, getting that process started because I want to do things, you know, right. I don't want the IRS coming like, um, <laughs> what have you been doing on Zelle um, accepting payments from people? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, I, yeah, I have a business entity. Mine is not an LLC. I'm actually a corporation, but either way, I am legally an entity, right? Business bank account, all of that. I file business taxes every year. So absolutely, like the government knows I got a business and I'm making money and they definitely try and take their share of it. So, do I recommend you do the same? Yeah. Now that is a super simple process. Like, like you can start with an LLC. You don't have to become a corporation. A corporation is a little more complicated, but LLC is super simple. You know, depending on what state you're in, you just, you know, file a paperwork, pay a, a, a fee, and then you renew it every year. That's something you can easily Google or find on YouTube. Do I recommend you do it? Yes. The question is, when do I recommend you do it? So you want to make sure you have proof of concept first, like making sure the, the business model and more specifically, the offer that you want to sell, you know, is viable and it, there is a demand for it. So you can set it up right away because it takes so little time. Okay. But then you want to make sure you are actually validate your business idea and your model, right? That you're actually clear on what you intend to sell. And, you know, you make a couple dollars doing it or you just make sure that what you have is in demand, right? Because every business, should be solving a unique problem. Like you're not trying to be just another dietitian, but I want you to really consider like, how is my offer going to be different from the next 
online dietitian? How is my offer? What problem is my offer solving? What is my specialization? What is my unique lane that I'm in? Because as a nutritionist, as a dietitian, you don't want to be a generalist. You should be a specialist. So what am I going to specialize in specifically? That's the type of problems you want to solve first. Like the business registration, the federal tax ID number, the name, the paperwork, that's administrative stuff. The first thing you want to get super clear on, though, is what problem am I solving and for who? So those are the two things that I really want you to be able to answer. And the more general your answer is to that statement, the more likely you are to get swallowed by the market. The more specific your answers are to those questions, the more likely you are to carve out your own niche, right? And so you don't want to say, I just help people who are unhealthy or overweight lose weight and feel better. No, that's way too general, right? So get super clear on what do I really want to focus on? Maybe you saw, you know, somebody in your family die of heart disease or suffer with diabetes or something like that. And that's what you're really passionate about. Maybe you overcame a personal health challenge yourself by going plant-based. Maybe you combated depression by going plant-based and that's what you want to focus on. Like you really want to hone in on a very specific problem for a specific population. And specific population has nothing to do with their sex. Like I help black women with lose weight. No, it's, it has nothing to do with their sex, their race, their gender, okay? And so when you really carve out who you're helping and what problem you're solving for them using your unique skills, your unique expertise and what you're super passionate about, that is when you can start then thinking later about how to register your business and all that. But is that priority right now? Not necessarily. Yeah, okay. And you said the specific population is I should not be based on sex, race, or gender. Shouldn't a be. specific population is like obese people with a BMI between 30 and 35. Okay, got it. Right, okay. But it's not like Black women. Yeah. It's not like all men. Like my mission is to increase the healthy life expectancy of Black people. But in my plant-based certification, the plant protocol, for example, the specific population I work with is plant-based vegans who've had a transformation. Okay. I don't work with plant curious people who are still trying to figure out the vegan journey. I don't work with people who newly vegan ain't had a transformation yet. I work with plant-based vegans who've had a transformation. Those are the top two qualifiers to be in my certification. Mm -hmm. So what are going to be the top qualifiers to work with you? What population do you work with? Like there are plenty other plant-based certifications out there that will take anybody long as you got the money. I don't. I only work with a specific population of people to solve a specific problem. So that's what I mean. One thing I love about you, Lisa, is you're very selective. You're like, this is what I'm teaching. This is who I'm teaching. And that's it. Like, take it or leave it. And thank you for crying if you didn't get in. Like, I love that. (laughs) I aspire. So (laughs) I really appreciate you. I'm sorry if these wind chimes are so loud. I can't hear them at all. So you're good. Okay. Okay. Good. Because I'm like, this is very loud. But really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me you tuned in today because like me you're a disruptor you're passionate about health and you have firsthand experience of taking a whole food plant-based approach to combating chronic health challenges you want to see lifestyle and dietary modifications become the norm in the way in which we practice health care however you need mastery around nutrition and lifestyle science a better understanding of behavior change to improve client compliance and confidence in your ability to effectively coach clients to adopting those lifestyle modifications. 
you need the plant protocol. Visit theplantprotocol.com to apply and let's work together to improve the way in which we care for our most prized possession, our health. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. Until next time, remember, radical obedience is still undefeated. Stay obedient.